You're ready for a countdown? Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't know if I'm ready for a countdown. This, this episode Let's start is, with a count up, then. We could count up. This yes. episode is going to have, I think, a lot of Monty Python clips in it. Well, there goes our listenership. <laughs> what? No, 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 no. Count it down. Oh, fine. Dinsdale. <laughs> oh, and before you count it down... Mm. Don't screw around and bang on the table and stuff like you did last week because all the mics oh, are on yeah. during the introduction. You were doing stuff. Uh-huh. Get it out of your system. Okay. It's out of my system. Five, four, three, two, one. This is Eric Jackson. I sell revenue stamps, and you're listening to Stamp Show here today. Look at them, madam. Have you ever in your entire life seen anything so beautiful? I'm sorry, I don't know anything about stamps. This is the gentle art of philately, otherwise known as stamp collecting. Here's a pile of stamps carefully culled from swap meets and garage sales. Rufus, what are you thinking of? Oh, I was just thinking of all the years I've wasted collecting stamps. Oh, like stamp collecting. Now, that's all right. That's quite a nice hobby, that. Yes, but it's not enough. Don't you understand? I'm lonely. I'm so terribly lonely. All right, Homer. You beat those stamp Nazis with good old-fashioned American complaining. Homer, if it weren't for you, we'd be at the mercy of weekend philatelists. You know, why didn't you just say stamp collectors? Because I'm tired of dumbing myself down for you. I, I mean, I have to say, when I, when I heard that, like, people actually watch this show, I was, I was actually pretty surprised. I collect stamps. From Spain and two from Japan. I got a couple from Israel and Azerbaijan. I got a plenty from Poland, but none from Sudan or from Fiji or Uzbekistan. Stamp collecting happens when we dream together. Welcome to Stamp Show here today, episode number 98. I'm Cash. And did you know in English, the goose-geese pattern is a holdover from when English grammar had case inflections? Moose is not English. It's a word we got from the Algonquin Indians. The Algonquin didn't use grammar cases in the same way the English did. So moose is moose, whether it's singular, plural, subjective, or objective. I'm Scott. Wow. (laughs) This is Tom. (laughs) And I'm your host, Dawn. This week, we'll be discussing... Moose. Meese. 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 Mice. I thought, I thought meese was a plural of... Uh, it was a, a singular of my, uh, mice. Or, uh, never mind. Cut that out. <laughs> Just, that'd, be, that'd be mouse I, and mice. I had... Uh, I, hate, I hate you meeses to pieces. I hate to eat, that's it. I think I had a seizure or something. So what are we going to be talking about for real? We're going to be discussing stamp tongs. Nice. I know. Like the ones in your mouth? No. <laughs> no, 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 no. No. Bad cash, bad cash. On this day in history, in 1886, 130 years ago today, in New York Harbor, 
President Grover Cleveland dedicated the Statue of Liberty. We could talk for an hour on the Statue of Liberty, but instead I want to talk about what happened as the President rode up to the harbor. The first ticker tape parade takes place in New York City when office workers spontaneously throw ticker tape into the streets as the statue is dedicated. What's ticker tape? I'm glad you asked. (laughs) Ticker tape was streams of tape, paper, that came out of a small printing machine that showed the abbreviated name of a of a company and the price that it sold. This is a terrible sentence. No, it's not. It's perfect. That is a perfect sentence. You're not reading. (laughs) (laughs) Take two. Ticker tape was streams of tape that came out of a small printer machine that showed the abbreviated name of a company and the price that its stock sold at. The information came over the telegraph lines to a small printer in which the movies, they always had it under glass, like a glass dome. And that's because their connection was bad? Their internet was out. And it was like the dome. Well, the movie, I, I think the TV show, The Dome. That was that like pheasant under glass? Pheasant under glass. Ticker tape under glass? Yes. That, that was probably it. So since a lot of stocks had their sales prices sent over these printers, these pieces of paper became very long. Funny note that ticker tape technology became obsolete in the 1960s as television and computers came into use for transmitting financial information. We have found a witch! Might we burn? Modern parades utilize waste office paper and toilet paper that has been cut using conventional paper shredders. The city also distributes paper confetti. They well, use that's toilet cheating. paper? Yeah, that's cheating, first of all. What do you do? Just feed the beginning of the toilet roll into the shredder and let it run? Well, that's the other thing. <laughs> well, wa- waste office paper. Just hopefully it's not waste toilet paper because that would <laughs> oh! oh! But also, uh, if they shred it, that's uh, going to be a pain in the butt to clean up afterwards if you use that little itty-bitty shredder stuff. I would think it would be an issue with the shredder. I use a shredder all the time, and I have problems with just regular paper. I would think that would be god-awful. Yeah, I agree. Finally, there have been plenty of stamps with the Statue of Liberty on it, including the one from Las Vegas. But there has never been a stamp showing a ticker tape parade, so let's get this done. Well, you know, they were close. The, uh, the famous photograph of the kiss that was in... New York City in Times Square. Gene Simmons on, on VJ with the Day. rest of the band on VJ Day. No, oh. no, no, no. Actually, actually happened about. They figure it was six. I think it was six fifty-one in the evening, and the announcement of the surrender of of uh, Japan was in at seven o'clock. So it was actually before the ticker tape parade started for the end of World War Two. Yeah, this is the one where the uh, sailor is kissing the nurse. Yes. And I think the nurse just passed away, or one of them did recently. Anyway, that is pictured yeah. on a U.S. stamp. It's pictured on the 1995 World War II uh, sheet of stamps. There's one stamp in there that pictures that. So we have pre-ticker tape parade. We have pre-ticker tape parade. What yes. about the colorful celebrations? Isn't that kind of sort it's of? It's just <laughs> confetti. Yeah. Yeah. Well, said confetti in here. Yeah. 
It did. It says toilet paper, too, so that qualifies for almost every U.S. stamp printed over the last couple of years. Ooh. Mm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I mean, if it's if it's waste toilet paper, it could be colorful confetti. <laughs> so, here goes Cash poo-pooing the stamp program. Oh, no. Nobody said that. Nobody said that. Stan would like that. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, be if cool. I knew we were going to have this much talk, I would have loaded a uh, toilet flushing or something sound. <laughs> oh, I'll make sure I put one He'll in. He'll put one in. So write your congressman and slip in a tenor to get his attention, if you know what I mean. Let's get this done. Hashtag stampworthy. Hashtag ticker tape stamp. Listener emails. So we get emails at Stamp Show here today, so summon the answer squad. Now we know, after all the hullabaloo over this email deal. I know there have been questions about my emails. Are the 33,000 emails. Okay, I got my Gmail spam inbox folder open. Before you hit send, email is a vital part of business communication. Unfortunately, many employees don't know how to use email well. Actually, this was a verbal email, I think. So you mean it was a voicemail? I think in the old days they called it conversation. Ah. Yes. Anyways, Lloyd asks, how do I become an expert on private perf stamps? Oh, good luck. (laughs) (laughs) That that uh, that would definitely take a lot of doing, as um, the most recognized expert uh, died a couple of years ago, uh, shortly after he wrote a book. Fortunately, so we do have his book, but there are a few errors in it. Um, the book is a great place to start, and it'll get you halfway there. The other half requires me a lot of time studying the stamps. Well, let's start off by what the heck is what's a the private name of, What's birth? the name of the book? Yeah. Right. What is let's, a private start birth stamp that. and what's the name of the book? Well, the book is Vending and Affixing Machine Perforations by Stephen Belasco. So that's the book you want to get. But back to your question, what is a private perf? A private perf is the vending and affixing machine perforations are really what you are meaning when you say, how do I collect private perforations? But if I took a hole punch and punched a bunch of holes in a sheet of stamp, that would be private perforation, just so I could mm-hmm. tear them apart. Or if I took a roulette wheel and just rouletted my own imperf stamp sheets. and Yeah, but this was that done be, for basically for junk. Right. What he's asking about are, are the the vending and affixing machine perforations. They're 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 called private perforations because they were made by private companies, not by the government. The stamps were mm. made by the government. The perforations were Correct. not. Mm. Correct. So, like, if a company wanted to send twenty thousand uh, vote for Donald Trump letters in the nineteen twenties, right? You had a a number of different companies that manufactured machines that would affix the stamps to the envelopes for you. Otherwise, you had to have one person rip out the stamp, then lick it, then stick it, then get the next one, right? pull it out, lick it, stick it, and the person's tongue would fall off. Right. So what they did is they asked the government to give them imperfect stamps. Right. And we're going to be discussing stamp tongues, right? Tongs. Tongs. Oh. Not tongues. 
so the government would provide imperfect sheets of stamps, which the companies would then make into strips for use in their machines. The holes were generally used to advance the role of stamps that was then created. How about this? Private perforations were something that people made so that you could put a whole bunch of stamps on a whole bunch of letters without spending a whole bunch of time with people putting those stamps on the letters. Well, yeah. <laughs> and the next email is... The next one is from Claude. The ink from the front of my stamp bleeds through to the back. Is that a bad thing? Well, that depends on the stamp. Mm. Some stamps were printed with inks that create that contained a, an aniline component, which is a vegetable-based dye, and that dye would actually leach into the stamp paper over time. You generally see it on red, rose, purple stamps, and the, the color, the pink color actually leaches into the paper and a lot of times it can become visible on the back of the stamp. The other way is if the stamp was printed in a fugitive ink, which means the ink mm -hmm. is water soluble, then when you soak your stamp, the ink gets into the water and it permeates the paper and stains it. So the staining is bad. The permeates the paper. Aniline ink bleed <laughs> is generally more desirable. Mm, say that again. Permeates the paper. <laughs> I'm going to pop you. <laughs> I'm going to pop you. Yes, you are. Well, you're already popping all your peas, so. Uh-huh. I can see everyone. There's one. There's one. There's, there's, one, there's one, one. There's one. There's one. <laughs> you talking to me or Cash? Yes. Yes. Oh, <laughs> Now it's time for the Stamp Show Here Today Museum Contribution. As we stated in the prior podcast, we are redoing hashtag stamp stories. From now on, we are building a museum of the stamps we discuss. If you have a stamp and a story to contribute, email us and you can tell your story on the podcast. Our museum contribution for this podcast is a stamp from Britain's colony of Tasmania. It is a two-penny lilac stamp showing Hobart from the British colony of Tasmania. So what makes a colony? Cash, you are our local economist, so what is the story here? Well, colonies come from uh, mercantilism, which was the basic form of economics in the government uh, from the 1700s on. And what it was is the governments were highly competitive of each other. And the way you are competitive is you have a good army. And the way you get a good army is to have lots of gold. So they stockpiled their gold. So nobody wanted to buy anything from anybody. If you uh, wanted chairs, you got wood and made your own chairs. You didn't buy chairs from the next uh, country because then that country would get your gold. So what would happen is that countries would have colonies to get raw materials. They didn't get finished materials from their colonies, they got raw materials. So take for example the 13 colonies. Britain needed food. And wood. And wood. Mm -hmm. So they had Canada for their fish and they shipped out lots of fish from Canada. 
and they shipped out lots of wood from the 13 colonies. Then the people who shipped the wood from the 13 colonies would say, hey, pay us. And they said, not a problem. Here's a bunch of chairs and tables. And back would come the finished products that they made in England. So they didn't want chairs and tables from the 13 colonies. They wanted the wood. And all colonies were basically this. You got tea from India. You got cotton from India. You got sugar from the Caribbean. You didn't import final goods. You imported raw materials. Germany got in very late, so they didn't get any tea. They didn't get any sugar. So they drank beer because they didn't want to give Britain or France their gold to buy tea and sugar. And wine. And wine. Uh, wine. Uh, England wanted wine, but they had it very rarely because they'd have to give France their gold. And so everybody was hoarding gold and silver, by the way. And that's what created mercantilism. And the whole idea of the colonies was you give us your raw materials, we process it in England, England flourishes, and then we ship everything back. Well, it benefited the colonies too because a lot of times what would happen is they would ship back a lumber mill. They'd build a lumber mill in England, all the saw blades on all the materials, and they'd ship it back to the 13 colonies. So it's arguable that a lot of colonies were much, much better off by getting the finished goods than by developing their own industries. Now, of course, later on, the United States did develop its own industries. But that's what a colony was. It was a way to get raw materials. So what countries did have colonies, Cash? Britain, obviously. We were a colony of well, Britain. Let's talk about the stamp collecting world. Okay. Britain has a whole bunch of colonies and issues a whole bunch of stamps, and so does France. If you go to the back of France, into the back of the book, you see all the um, French colonies of every place. Spain has a whole boatload of colonies from Africa, South America, North America. So that counts. Cuba was theirs until 1898. Okay. Philippines. Uh, okay. What other countries? Holland. Well, one of the biggies is the reason that uh, England and Scotland became a single country was because Scotland got in too late to make colonies and they were going to compete with England and England said eh, instead of competing why don't we just join together and Scotland said good idea let's see who else Russia didn't have very many colonies well Denmark Denmark had some yeah Germany Portugal you didn't mention Portugal oh yeah Portugal had a lot Netherlands, Germany Spain, got in pretty late Netherlands Spain France Italy pretty much every western European country because I don't know of any Romanian or Bulgarian. Poland? In, in spite of the fact that they weren't countries then. But yeah, so it, Switzerland didn't have any colonies. Sweden, Finland. Sweden Sweden did. Sweden did? Didn't they? No, I guess they didn't. Finland didn't. Fin, Finland wasn't a country. Uh, who owned Iceland? Mm. Denmark. Okay. Was that a trick question? Were you hoping I'd say <laughs> Finland? I was hoping you would. <laughs> hey, we have to have some caches corrections. Mm -hmm. No, Russia didn't really 
have colonies. They just went out there and conquered everybody. So now you mentioned so, Cuba. So did Finland open? Did Finland own Newfoundland? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so you mentioned Cuba was a colony of Spain until 1898, and I know that the Spanish-American War happened at that time. So after after the Spanish-American War, the U.S. then owned Cuba. So why isn't Cuba, a colony of the United States. Because we're America. You have a better statement if you talked about the Philippines. Because the Philippines were a huge sugar um, exporter. And as a matter of fact, if you look at why, and I want to bring this up in a future podcast. The reason that we took the Philippines and held the Philippines and went through all the problems was because of sugar beets. Sugar beets caused us to be in the Philippines. And that was one of the things, you know, we were getting these raw materials from the Philippines and the raw material we got from the Philippines was sugar beets. Cuba, we didn't get a whole lot from. Uh, sugar came from a lot of other places, but I guess we got a lot of sugar from Cuba. Guam, I don't think Guam really, you know, spam. <laughs> Coconuts. Coconuts, mm -hmm. yeah. So the other colonies, I don't think we, I think we held them more as military bases than we ever did for uh, raw materials. Like right now, I'm looking at the list. The quote unquote colonies that the United States has is American Samoa, Guam, Northern Mariana Islands, the U.S. Virgin Islands, and Puerto Rico. And I can't think of any real um, imbalance of trade for raw materials that would come from these places. Well, Hawaii also used to be. Mm -hmm. But it is it is now a state. But Hawaii would qualify really, really well as a colony if we hadn't made it into a state. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Back to the stamp. The British Army had garrisoned Van Diemen's land, which was what Tasmania was originally called. And actually, Van Diemen, he was honored by the British Crown because he was one of the co-inventors of the tube sock. The colony of Tasmania existed from 1856 until 1901 when, together with the five other Australian colonies, it formed the Commonwealth of Australia. Tasmania was often referred to as one of the most British colonies of the empire. Um, because of bad teeth? I fart in your general direction. Your mother was a hamster and your father smelt of elderberries. The colony suffered from economic fluctuations, but for the most part was prosperous, experiencing steady growth and very bad sentence structure. <laughs> <laughs> with few external threats and strong trade links with the empire, the colony of Tasmania enjoyed many fruitful periods in the late 19th century, becoming a world center of shipbuilding. If you go to our Stamp Show Here Today Facebook site, you can see a beautiful two-penny stamp of Hobart, Tasmania. I'll tell you, I've been to Tas I've been to Hobart twice, mm -hmm. and it is a lovely city. Really, very, very lovely. It's Charming. a gorgeous stamp too. You, you guys oh, need to go to the Facebook and look at it. It's a really, really well engraved, nice looking stamp. Oh, there, Bart. Ho, Bart. Mm -hmm. 
now for Cash's Corrections. Well, I only have one thing, and that is, again, for the last time, I'm going to announce that uh, Chicago PEX is coming up November 18th to 20th. We will be there, and I hope to see you all there. Come on over and say hi. Uh, if you can, please support the podcast. I would really appreciate it if people went on and subscribed. Hit a uh, like on the Stamp Show Here Today page. Text your friends. Tell them that it's a good show. I would very much appreciate it, and that would be a great way to support the show. Reviews on iTunes always help, too. And that's it for me. Oh my God, who the hell cares? Our expert topic is the tools of philately. This week, it is the stamp tongs. Now tongs, a noun, is an instrument with two movable arms that are joined at one end used for picking up and holding things. Not to be confused with tweezers. Not to be confused with tweezers, Mm -hmm. although I found out recently when traveling to a show that if you tell the TSA that those stamp tongs in your bag are actually tongs, they will confiscate them. But if you tell them they are tweezers, they have to let them through. What? Yes. That's crazy. It is crazy. Tweezers are allowed. Tongs are not. So what's the difference between the two? Size. Tweezers Mm -hmm. generally have um, ridges on the end in order to grip whatever you are grasping. You're in front and of a computer there. Pull up the definition of tweezers real quick. I was going to say, we just said uh, for picking up and holding things was tongs. I was going to say, so if tongs are for picking up, I think tweezers are for picking at. Or picking, you're pulling out. Says with two movable arms that are joined at one end. That's tweezers versus, those are tweezers. Yes, but the tweezers usually have a ridges on the end. For gripping. I'll bet you tongs are like the uh, Norman word and tweezers are the uh, French word or something. Tongs are metric and tweezers are... Anyway, while he's looking at that... Speak amongst yourselves. (laughs) While he's looking at that... Hey, I have the ability to edit. There are different types of tongs that we use for stamp collecting. First of all, we use them to hold our stamps because you can have a finer motor control and you're not putting oil or skin oil or whatever from your hands onto the stamps which anybody who's collected coins knows that you can touch a coin and six months or a year later you can see the fingerprint Mm -hmm. because it tarnishes the metal well that oil from your hands is there even though you don't see it when it gets on your stamps it can then cause your stamps to tone and, and change color and things like that so handling Stamps with tongs is by far a better option. Mm-hmm. I got called an, on an that. Inter- an interesting thing. Apparently, we use stamp tweezers technically. Uh-oh. Mm-hmm. What does that say? Difference between te- tweezers and tongs is that tweezers is a small pincer-like instrument, usually made of metal, used for handling or picking up small objects, such as postage stamps, plucking out, plucking hairs, pull out, pulling out slivers, etc., while tongs is an instrument or tool used for picking things up without touching them with the hands or fingers, consisting of two slats or grips at the end or in the middle, and sometimes including a spring to open the grips or tongs, like kitchen tongs. Oh, mm-hmm. oh. 
that have the little uh-huh. when you like salad tongs. Salad tongs. Mm-hmm. Ah. You know, actually, so technically we use stamp tweezers, I guess. Uh-oh. Yeah. Now we're in trouble. Yes. Let the well, controversy begin. No, no controversy. Because um, you posted a picture of me on I, Facebook. I did. With my collection. And I wasn't using tongs slash tweezers. And someone called me out on that, too. They did. Yes. And they actually refer to it as stamp tweezers. They said, always use tweezers. Yes. So, so, now, so now I want a picture of somebody with like... Salad tongs with a with a big set of kitchen tongs holding a stamp. Goes my go stamp tongs. Yeah. Go challenge accepted. Stamps. Yeah, tweezer your stamps. Go tweeze your stamps. No, but there are different kinds of stamp tongs or stamp tweezers. We have the no 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 no. They're tongs. They're tongs. <laughs> let's let's, okay. let's go with let's go with the philatelic standard definition because I wrong. bet if you I bet if you walked around a show and said, do you have any? Stamp, do you have any tweezers? Most of your people say no, but I have tongs. Well, we, yeah, we have a, I mean, I have a long term thing of uh, the color lake. So, us philatelists, we are able to (laughs) look somebody straight in the eye and use the wrong word, and we are going to continue to do that today. (laughs) Why stop now? So, you have short tongs and long handled tongs you have spoonbill you have spade tips you have pointy tips you have rounded tips what do you prefer cash i don't know i i like the pointy ones but i do find that the pointy ones the tips wear out they get like little flange little pieces of metal they well, that's because you keep dropping them well actually it's because like i use them to as a use screw, them as a screwdriver, screwdriver. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah i mean i use them for a lot of stuff other than picking up stamps which is my big problem um the ones that i have now they're all bent up and everything and i need to order some new ones and i'm going to get some spade tips because i always used to use those in the past well i'll tell you when i started um aileen on collecting um, you know, she was six. She's now seven. Um, I bought her the flat spade tipped tongs because I figured that would be easier for her and make it less likely for her to either injure a stamp or herself with one of those standard ones like that I use, the long, really pointed tips ones. Well, I've dropped my... I, ha- I have what are called suicide tongs. They're very, very, <laughs> they're very, very sharp. You have seen And yours. I've dropped those and had them actually stick in my leg before. Oh. So they are very dangerous. Well, for me, you know, I like Chinese food. So Scott needs to buy some Teflon uh, or some Kevlar shorts. Ke- Kevlar shorts. <laughs> <laughs> when, I, when I eat Chinese food, I always like the long chopsticks, not the short ones. And so for the same reason, which has, I don't know, maybe it's like me compensating for something. I like the long stamp tongs versus the short stamp tongs. Not touching it. Keep going. (laughs) That's what the tongs are for. (laughs) (laughs) So where do you get stamp tongs? There's some uh, people who... Are very beginning collectors. Well, obviously, you can get them from a stamp supply dealer. I got mine at a stamp show. You get them a stamp show from a. a, Most stamp dealers have 
they, they buy collections all the time, and stamp tongs come with collections. So most stamp dealers have an abundance of stamp tongs just laying around. Just ask them, and I'm sure most stamp dealers will be happy to bring you a pair. You know, it's the same thing with me. I, I notice that my population of stamp tongs tends to grow and shrink. It's like I never, you know, I may know that I have three, and then I'll look and I'll have five. And then the next time I look, I'll have two. And and it's like there there may only be like 10 stamp tongs in the entire world and they just move around to people. But the, uh, you know, it, you go to a dealer and you walk off accidentally with their stamp tongs. And then the next dealer, you accidentally leave your stamp tongs. So I, I think that, you know, they they just migrate. Well, they do migrate somewhat. Well, isn't that why some people buy like the gold ones? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, or I, put your name those. on them. I've I've seen those. My personal preference is mine are mine are weighted at the back end, and they don't make that style anymore, which is unfortunate because that's the style I started using. And well, so now they that's probably, the style I they like. They were probably recalled for put, putting too many legs in danger. <laughs> yeah, we're we're going to pass a law against lawn darts and heavy-ended stamp tongs. Yeah, thanks. But what, uh, they make yours the, even had a number, wasn't it? Yeah, it's a 906. They yeah. make the same style, but just not with the heavy weighted end anymore. A 906 stamp tong. And they're, they're, they're long. I uh, wonder what like a 905 would be. Is that something different? Or a 907 has actually like laser beams coming out the end? You don't yes. want that on your stamps. <laughs> you don't want laser beams on your stamps. It no. Might burn a hole. Uh-huh. Well, I know that very, we had this, uh, it came from an auction house, actually, where a person in the viewing room, had, and we knew that it wasn't there because uh, the stamp was certified by PSE, and then it got returned to PSE, and they said, you missed a hole in this stamp. And it's like, we didn't miss a hole in the stamp. Send it back. That's not possible. And we get it back. And there was a hole in the stamp where somebody in like the viewing room of the auction house had taken a pair of sharp tongs and stabbed it right through it. Obviously by accident. They didn't do it on purpose, probably. And then My they go, guess probably. is they didn't bid on that lot. Either. Yeah, they go, oops, uh, let's put that back and not tell anybody. And that's probably exactly what they did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or they did the cataclysmic mistake of uh, using the tongs to pick it up if they dropped it on the carpet. Oh, well, it's sort of like, you know, you just, it falls down. You just stab it to bring it back up again. Uh-huh. I thought that's the way you uh, you use chopsticks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sweet It's like sour. a really dull fork. There's two mm-hmm. ways to eat chopsticks, or uh, sweet and sour pork. One of them is to stab. The other one is to pick it up. Don't stab your stamps. No, don't stab your stamps. It's probably not culturally correct to uh, stab your... Uh, culturally? Culturally. He's making He's up making words. up words. Yes. Hey, I'm a stamp collector. I call these things tongs. <laughs> what more can we say about tongs? Oh, what can we say about Well, I guess we could sum it up by saying pointy, sharp, long, or short. Dangerous. <laughs> Lethal. <laughs> there are many tongs to choose from. And I, there's even some tweezers to choose from. If, if you're a beginner or an intermediate collector i don't recommend the suicide tongs 
Mm-mm. I recommend Probably. something that's not so sharp. Start with like the the spade tip ones. Definitely mm-hmm. for kids. I mean, my first set was a spoon tip tongs, and they were short. And what do uh, the spoon tip ones look like? I've actually don't. They, I mean, are they the are they actually like, round? Yeah, yeah they're, it's they're like round. a teardrop shape at the end. Because yeah. the ones I have, I think, are the that I got for Aileen are the spade ones. They're kind of they, yeah. they widen out there, but they're flat on the front. They don't mm-hmm. come to a sharp. Well, they also point. have angled spade tip ones that we didn't mention. Angled point. Well, the angled the angled ones. ones are weird. With yeah. whirling mm-hmm. blades and uh, extenders and. It's like a flying guillotine. <laughs> Your flying guillotine. <laughs> time to send cash for a timeout. Uh huh. Well, if you uh, he didn't take his riddle in. If you do stamp collecting in a dangerous area, you may want to have the pointy ones to defend yourself. Just don't bring them on the plane. Just don't bring mm-hmm. them on the plane. Or tell the TSA that they're tweezers. Well, actually, in the 1890s, um, pointy stamp tongs were actually prohibited from airplanes. Ah. In the 1890s. Yes. Yeah. This doesn't surprise me. I'm not sure how much commercial flight was going on then. Surprisingly little. Very little. Practically none. Almost none. Mm-hmm. Just a little short of none. And like the 1200s where they prohibited on catapults. <laughs> yeah. And they had terrible Wi-Fi. Uh, King Arthur pulled a pair of stamp tongs out of a rock. Oh, that was a great one. What was... Uh, King Arthur... King Ar- <laughs> How did I go to catapults and he has a joke for it? <laughs> no, no, no. This is a trivia. This is a trivia question. What's the name of the sword that King Arthur pulled out of the stone? Excalibur. Wrong. It had no name. He pulled the sword out of the rock, became the king, and then the lady of the lake gave him Excalibur later. That's not how I remember it. That, well, then you... Uh, It depends probably on which Arthurian legend you believe in. Yeah. Well, because it was Excalibur. Yeah. It came out of the stone. No. No, 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 no. no oh, no, sad. No, no. Sad to say it, but I agree with Cash on this one. <laughs> Mind blown. Mic drop. Oh, don't do that again. You suck. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's time to quit for the weekend. Oh, I definitely think so. Yay, weekend. Yay, weekend. Yay. I got to take my kids trunk or treating <laughs> at their school tonight. Thank you for joining us. For Oh, I missed. I'm sorry. Thank you for whatever, you know. <laughs> whatever. Mic drop. Why problem make when you no problem have, you don't want to make And by the way, my tongues are spade tip too. Oh, and happy Halloween. <laughs> yeah, that's what I said when I dropped my tongs. I bet you did. That's <laughs> what I say often when Cash has a joke. We would like to thank the following for information used in this podcast. Wikipedia and extra credit. Thank you for joining us for episode 98. This has been Cash, Scott, Tom, and I'm your host, Dawn. You can reach us with your questions or comments at stampshowheretoday at gmail.com, Twitter at stampshowht, 
or leave a message on our Google Voice number 1949-873-4298. You can also check out our website at stampshowheretoday.com or follow us on Facebook or watch us on YouTube. And as always, keep collecting. This episode of Stamp Show Here Today is brought to you by the Philatelic Book of Secrets, the book that teaches you about repurse, regums, color varieties, and much more. Get yours for $10 at www.philatelicsecrets.com today. Hi, this is Bob Prager with Gary Poser Incorporated, and we're in Long Island, New York, and New Jersey, and our philosophy at Gary Poser Incorporated is this. We would rather pay very fair prices on 9 out of 10 collections that we look at versus trying to just offer very low prices on 1 out of 2 and making a big score. That's never our philosophy. So if you want to be treated fairly, please give us a call anytime at 800-323-4279. And again, my name is Bob Prager. No such number.